Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. You would get your Bibles open up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to have to try to slow myself down a little bit. I'm feeling the pressure. i got 20 minutes to get a message in. <laughs> Nobody's fault but my own. I, I know. I'm not blaming anybody. It's my fault. I need to get somebody else to do the announcements. I think that would probably do it. But here's kind of my problem, and please bear with me for just a minute. I happen to think that when something goes on in our association or at Bates Creek Camp or something that our church has ownership in, um, this is not a popular belief, but I believe that you have every right to not only know about that, but you have every right to know every bit of it that I know. So I don't know a better opportunity to let you guys know that than on Sunday morning. So I'll do my best to try to maybe think ahead and trim it down a little so that you can stay informed and I won't take quite so much time. This particular message, though, and we're going <clears> to <throat> take a look. The Apostle Paul planted the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth had been established for quite some time before, I say several years, quite some time, before um, um, the Apostle Paul had actually written this first letter. Now, we know this by some of the evidences we'll see in chapter 3 here in just a little bit, but you may remember when I preached a message about, uh, about uh, chapter 2, if you looked at the end of chapter 2, it talks about uh, the spiritual appraising of things, and it talks about individuals who are spiritual, appraises all things, but they are appraised by no man. The last part of chapter 2 is necessary here because it does provide a little bit of a contrast. Now, the contrast being, the Apostle Paul is saying, this is where you're supposed to be, but in reality, this is where you're really at. So when he says, you know, when he's saying um, that, uh, that, the, that people who are spiritual appraise all things, but someone who is, who is spiritual is not appraised by any man. Um, the idea behind that is, and this is the word, the word's maturity. It's maturity. In other words, if you are mature as a Christian, you're not going to react negatively when someone acts negatively towards you. You're not going to act negatively towards someone to start the entire situation. You're not going to throw foul words at them. You're not going to cheat them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to do anything to those individuals for them to have a justifiable reason to say anything about you. And that's why people who are spiritual are not capable of being appraised. I mean, can you tell me my value? You might be able to tell me what my value is to you, but you can't tell me what my value is to the person behind you, and you can't tell me what my person, what my value is to the teenagers that meet on Sunday morning every day or the kids that meet in kids' class, and nobody can do that. There's only one person that can tell me what my value is. He's the only one. I mean, the Apostle Paul himself, I consider it a very small thing to be examined by you or by any human court. I don't examine myself for, uh, for that matter. Not by this am I acquitted. In other words, not by this am I off the hook. But the one that examines me is the Lord. The Apostle Paul, that's, those are his words. I consider it a very small thing to be examined by you or by any human court. In other words, you want to walk around and watch me? Walk around and watch me. 
You watch me make a mistake? Probably, eventually, if you watch long enough. And hopefully, if you watch long enough after the mistake, you'll watch me correct it and repent. Mature Christians are boring to follow. And by that I mean, if you're looking for a mature Christian to be your uh, proof that this is all fake, do, do they look for mature Christians to prove that Christianity is fake? No, they pick the delinquents who have done something really idiotic in public. And that's what they frame the entire church around. But the point here that we're going to make today is maturity. It's necessary. So you've heard me say many times before as a pastor, when I, look, when I get to know people, when, people, when I become somebody's pastor, I want you to know, and, and, and please let me explain, don't, don't take this wrong when I say it. If you walk into this church first time, I'm not your pastor. I don't know you. I don't get to choose whether I'm your pastor or not. Every individual who walks through that door are the ones who are going to choose whether I get to be their pastor or not. They make that choice. Once somebody makes that choice, then I'm going to get to know you. And as I get to know you, that should affect the way that I minister to you, right? Randy Rulov, he's here to appreciate this. Randy Rulov, I've known Randy since he was a little kid. He, he worked down at camp for me for as, a, as maybe even a 14 or 15-year-old. For many, many years he worked down at camp. I sit down and have a conversation with Randy. It can turn into a shout fest. We're just communicating. If somebody else was to watch the conversation, they would think that we were arguing with each other. The truth is we're just communicating because that's who he is. And that's how you communicate with who he is. Just a fact. You hang around him long enough, you're going to find out that that's an fa absolute fact. He's passionate about what he believes. If you believe something different and you're passionate about what you believe, then you two are about to have a passionate conversation because that's who he is. <laughs> but then there are other individuals like Sydney. I would never treat Sydney like I treat Randy. But I only know that because I'm Randy's pastor and I'm Sydney's pastor. So I know enough about Sydney that she doesn't require me to get in her face and shout for her to hear me. There are some people who do. Maturity is what gives us the ability to look at the world through the eyes of Jesus and process things with the mind of Jesus. And it gives us the ability to be able to be much more effective. Now, what we do as a church, though, is the church starts screaming, you need to be more effective! Be at church more. You need to go to every training. If the church goes on mission trips, you better sign up to go. Everything we do, you better go, go, go. That's not what it's about. Don't fall in the trap. Being a Christian is not about being busy. It's about being intentional and purposeful. God gave you a gift. Whether you want to accept that right now or not is beside the point. He gave you a gift. That gift gives you the ability to do supernatural things. I was talking to a guy the other day in, uh, in counseling. I said, do you know how, how many of you men know that God gave you power? Supernatural power. It's a supernatural power you don't have to work for. It was given to you. You have it. The question is, do you access it? And here's a problem. If Superman didn't know he could fly, would he ever jump off a building? 
A guy right down the road from where I live raised white-tailed deer. Raised them as babies. Bred them in captivity. Raised them in captivity. He kept those deer in a 10-foot tall tent, the fence. Chain-link fence. No barbed wire, razor wire across the top of it. No noisy, clangy things tied around the outside of it to keep them away. You know how many deer, out of all the deer that he had, had bred into and raised on that property, you know how many of them jumped that 10-foot fence? Not one of them. It's not because they couldn't. It was because they didn't know that they could. They didn't know they could. Listen, and this is universally applied. Guys, girls, do you have any idea what you're capable of? Because when we say God gave you a gift, I think we cheapen it. What a gift really is, is God has picked one avenue in your life to give you super empowerment, influence, influence. I've said this in households for a long time. If men only knew that they could control everything inside their household, if they only knew they have the power to make their wife happy, they have the power to make their wife sad, they have the power to make their wife mad, they choose what they do in order to make the one of those three things happen. Every man does. Did you ever notice just how naturally when kids are acting up, how naturally the reaction is when dad walks in the room? That's power. That's influence. God gave that to us as an authority. An authority for us to use in situations where we needed it, like when we're raising up our kids. Maturity is something that has to happen, but it can't happen under that avenue of, I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of stuff to do so that you'll just grow, grow like crazy. So I'm here to tell you, I've been through missionary boot camp. And it is no fun. And can you learn from it? Yes, I would not know most of the stuff that I know right now if it wasn't for me working for the association for as long as I did. But I can also tell you this. God doesn't expect it. He does not expect it. If he gave you the gift of evangelism, if he gave you the gift of evangelism, should you be working in the nursery? What are you doing in the nursery? The nursery is there for people that God has given a gift with babies that have a passion for them, that want to care for them. That's what the nursery is there for. And I happen to believe that my God's intelligent enough to be able to look down and say, I can give a church everything that it needs. But then when we look at the church and we say, but the church doesn't have everything that it needs, is it because God's provision fell short? Or is it because people are just chickens when it comes to them having the encouragement of knowing that God gave them power and gave them authority? We command it. We have dominion. Do you get what that means? God created us to be at the top of the food chain. He created us to be the most intelligent individuals that would walk the earth. People say, oh, dolphins are smarter. Really? Invite it over to dinner. I mean, if they're that smart, shouldn't they figure out they're mammals? I mean, they breathe air, right? Why can't they walk over and sit at the chair and eat dinner? 
we're peculiar, and that's why we're peculiar, because we're like nothing on earth that's been created. There is nothing else like us. And this is why God says, I want a relationship with you. You ever see one place in Scripture where God said he wants a relationship with a whale? A dog? A cat? A bird? No, it's you and me. This relationship side of this, it encourages growth. And the growth, again, is not some... I think that we have tore this up, folks, as a church in this country over the last 30 years, maybe even 50 years. We have made people so afraid to live their lives that they won't go to church. Because all they ever hear is a preacher standing up front and telling them, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do this, and you need to do The Apostle Paul did not put a model for learning down for the people in Corinth. He gave them information. He gave them all the information they needed to be able to grow. He gave them leaders that were capable of teaching him, teaching them. But look, read with me, starting with chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. Now when he says, I, didn't give you, I gave you milk to drink, I didn't give you any solid food to eat, that was what you needed at the time. So now here I am returning to you again, and you haven't grown an ounce. Should there be a time expectation in people's growth? Absolutely. Should I be the one who puts it there? No. This goes right back to every individual. You know. This is, and people tell me, oh, no, I don't believe that there's a God. Baloney. Who here owns a Ford? Anybody own a Ford? Try to convince your Ford that it, it's not a Ford. I mean, the truth is, you walk out there and look at it, it can say it's not a Ford all that it wants to, but if you look, not only on the outside, under the hood, the inside of the driver's side door, on, stamped on the engine, the transmission, everything in that car, what's the evidence say? Ford. That Ford built it. Everything says Ford built it. People cannot excuse this away. The evidence and God's fingerprints are on these people's lives. They can close their eyes, scream la, la, la with their thumbs in their ears all that they want to. It doesn't change the affirmative fact. They know their creator. For us, the question isn't whether our creator exists. The question is, what does our creator really want does he want you to just run out there and work yourself to death he wants one thing growth growth i can promise you if you are not mature enough to what's the word comfortably share the faith with somebody that you don't know if you never turn attention to that, I can promise you that you will forever stay too uncomfortable to talk to somebody. But I can also promise you that the more you study, 
the more the Holy Spirit continues to poke and twist and turn when it comes to you being responsible and sharing the gospel with people. And that encouragement one day is going to help you stutter, stammer, and trip through that conversation with the first person that you have that conversation with. And you know what you're going to do as a, as a, as a result? You're going to learn. You're going to learn. You're going to learn how you need to say things to, to not close the conversation off before you get a chance to even mention the name of Jesus. We get to learn confidence. We get to, and as we learn, we mature. And as we mature, we become more and more excited about it. I went from being a teenager who was scared to go into crowds and tell people that I was a Christian to a youth pastor just two years down the road who would call all of these teenagers and say, hey, where's the biggest parties this weekend? Why? Because I'm coming. What? Yeah, where are the parties? community got to know me as a youth pastor around the Grandview community and I could walk into a party man and it was amazing kids eating joints shoving their beers under the cushions in the couch they are hiding stuff everywhere why the authority of God entered the room it wasn't me who am I I'm a, I'm a person I'm a human being who really cares what a person thinks we're a lake. It's a little lake community out by where I live. I was a youth pastor at Pilgrim Dress at the time. I was picking up two truckloads or two van loads of kids out of Ware Lake. I was very involved with these kids' lives. Knew their parents, their parents' shortcomings, their problems. These kids weren't afraid to tell me anything that their parents did. Well, it took about six months. I pull onto the property and I start seeing people's blinds being yanked down as my car goes by doors that are open that are closing all of a sudden people who are in the front yards who find reason all of a sudden to be in the backyard and actually had one of the parents affirm to me yes you make everybody in this lake place nervous why because they don't want to get cornered by you now they can say they don't want to be cornered by me the truth is, just the same way that a person cannot explain away God in their creation, they also have to admit when God is real, if they face somebody who lives their life in such a way as to prove it. You know how long I heard somebody telling me this ain't real? About three or four years. Because you know what eventually happens to something that people say isn't real if it's really real? Do you know what eventually happens? It becomes permanent. Then it's real. Read straight through a little bit with me. Start with two again. I'm sorry, verse three again, because it's broken in the middle kind of words me out for you are still fleshly since there is jealousy and strife among you are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men for when one says i am of paul and another i am of apollos are you not mere men what then is apollos and what is paul servants through whom you believed even as the lord gave opportunity to each one i planted apollos watered but god was causing the growth 
So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now this is different than what we're used to in the world. And the reason that it's different is because when an entire family plants a crop and that crop goes bad, who suffers? The whole family suffers. But according to this, what are you responsible for? You will receive your own reward. Now, the reason for this is everything that I've said up to this point. Maturity has everything in the world to do with what God's trying to accomplish. Can he do it without us? Yes. You know what? He chose not to. He chose to make us a part of this. And for us as individuals to be people who understand this clearly, if a person ever comes and says, hey, I'm a student of Brother Keith, That statement in and of itself means what? The thing is, though, is it right for me to be the one who says that I'm the teacher? Teaching's what we do, and teaching is who we are, but am I the encyclopedia of all biblical things? I have a teacher too. The truth is, without my teacher, I couldn't teach you. And the Sunday school teachers, without their teacher, they couldn't teach the Sunday school classes. We all have a teacher, and he has the authority over all of us, regardless of his authority we may carry from minute to minute. He has authority over us. Now, he said in the verses previous that the ones who plant and the ones who water are nothing. But then he just said, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Which is true. Are you nothing or will you receive your reward? Glad you asked. Because it's not a conflict. Should I ever consider myself worthy? Am I worthy? How do I know I'm worthy? Jesus died for me too, right? He affirmed it all the way through the, the entire act. Since I know this is fact, why can't I run around screaming from the housetops? Why can't I do it? Because God gets the glory, not you. That's right. Someone who's immature will always rob the glory from God, always. Immaturity will not let him be who he is. Immaturity will allow us to be what we are. And if we're either apart from Christ, or we're babies in Christ who refuse to grow, and here's the deal, folks, Jan uh, Grayson, he's pushing the ear, getting pretty big. You can set that kid on a table this high, you know what he'll do? Head first. Not because he's unstable, he will lean forward and go head first into the floor. He could be this far off the ground. He don't care. Now, that doesn't sound surprising, right? 
me less than a year old. Things just don't process it in one year. But what would you think if I came back four years from now and said he's now five? And you put him on a table this high and he will lunge head first right into the floor. What would you say then? Something else going on, right? I mean, if you imagine you being God, all right? And we come to him, these little babies, drinking milk, and he sets us up as these little babies, and we just tank head first. So he goes, okay, okay, I'm going to put you in a church home. I'm going to surround you with some people who are mature and some individuals who can teach you. And I'm going to teach you some things. And eventually you're going to figure out it's not a good idea to sit on a table and just head first into the floor. So he teaches them for four years. Now five, sit them up on the table eight feet off the ground. And instead of them sitting and rolling head first into the floor, they stand up and swan dive. That's the church today. That's what Paul's talking about, these people with Corinth. He's like, you're, you're, this is dense, people. This is where the criticism in the beginning of this came from. He's like, could you imagine? Could you imagine if you had a five-year-old who couldn't chew a piece of chicken? Because these Christians were four and five years old. And they were still waiting on the prostitutes to come down from the Hierapolis of the city. And they still went out and cheated people in the streets so they could get rich. And they still did things like 2 Corinthians points out, guys sleeping with their mother. Yeah, that went on in Corinth. He worded it a little different in there, probably take a little shock factor off of it. But he points out the fact that a guy slept with his father's or slept with his father's wife. Who is that? They say, well, it could be step. Well, <laughs> you know, we have some tripping up areas in morality where that becomes the turn of the discussion. <laughs> the truth is this, folks. There are lost people out there that are depending on you. So don't try to be religious. Just keep yourself grounded. You know what I mean by that? The storms of life are going to come through. They're going to do everything that they can to knock you off track. They're going to try to get you emotionally distracted. They're going to try to get you spiritually distracted. They're going to try to get you physically distracted. They will do anything that they can to distract you at this point. Because your maturity, your maturity equals saved souls. Your maturity equals peace that we can pass to individuals. Your maturity means that we're even equipped to handle some things that can actually relieve some of this pain and pressure from the people in this world that are hurting. God's not trying to just make me righteous. He's trying to make me useful. All these changes in my life that's been going on since I've trusted in him, every one of these changes have been so he could make me useful. People think, oh, God just wants me to change. He doesn't want you to change for the sake of changing. He wants us to love people instead of hating them. That's the change. He wants us to do what's good for people instead of what's bad. 
He wants us to be people who are pointing to the kingdom and not people who are leading people into hell. He wants us to be individuals who understand who we are in Christ, the authority we've been given through the gifts that we've been given, and he wants us to be individuals who are willing to employ them, even if we're scared. It's okay to be scared. You, you think I wasn't scared the first time I stood up in front of a crowd of people and preached? I told y'all, 14 pages of notes. You know how long it lasted? Nine minutes. Nine minutes. <laughs> Fastest sermon I ever preached in my life. That's 14 pages worth of material, front and back, and I read that dude. And I was like, nine minutes, and I'm like, what do I do the rest of the 30 minutes? <laughs> Let's close in prayer. I didn't start being able to stand up in front of crowds and talk. Sunday school teachers didn't start just by flopping down in a chair and saying, okay, I hope this turns out okay, here we go. God grows you every day of your life step by step, and he's the one that shows you through that growth what he's trying to accomplish in your life. As you continue to learn, and then as we learn, we apply it to our lives so it's extended through our hands and our feet, and the effect is absolutely miraculous. That's what he wants. Well, God just wants to make me miserable because he won't let me do this. No, he actually wants to relieve somebody else's misery. And he wants to use you to do it. Anybody besides me once in a while need a few rough edges of metal knocked off before the tool functions the way that it's supposed to? <laughs> That's what Christianity is. This is what it is. Paul's criticisms, they weren't intended to be mean to people. The truth is, as pastors, we're always trying to figure out ways to miracle grow people not because we're trying to force you to grow like we want you to but because we want you to grow and not stop because one of the biggest downfalls of the church has been the stop in the growth and i'm not talking about in people in numbers i'm talking about the stop and growth spiritually I don't know if, you've, if we eventually just get so old that we think it's time for the young people to take over. I've heard that before. I've heard people actually say, I don't really want to accept that responsibility because I know what that'll mean to me. Okay, disobedience, unfaithfulness, check. It's not about you, folks. No more than it's about me. To me, it's about you. It's the way it's supposed to be. But to you, it ain't supposed to be about you. If I'm capable of taking care of myself, what do I need you for? But the Bible's proven to us we aren't capable of taking care of ourselves. This is why what's typically on the front of our bulletin, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, one little part of that, do not forsake the gathering together as some see fit, but encourage one another as we see the day draw near. Why encourage? Because somebody who's not a Christian ain't going to feel your pain. They're not going to suffer with your sufferings. They're not going to have to deal with your sacrifices. But you are. And when God called us into this, he didn't ever say it was going to be easy. Matter of fact, he quite contrary to the contrary told us that it was going to be the opposite. But the truth is a church only grows if its membership grows. And I'm not just talking numerically. So, I'm not asking you to 
jump into teaching, jump into the nursery, jump into preaching, jump into deaconship. I'm not asking you to jump into anything. I'm just asking you to get where God wants you to be. Keep the pace that God wants to keep you at. And as he continues to expose things to you that he wants you to be, become it. Make it a permanent part and staple in your life. Make it habitual. And then while you're doing that, keep learning. You know, as I prayed over this message, I was like, you know, God, this isn't really an evangelical message. There's not really much of a mention of even Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in it. He goes, oh yeah, it's there. And truthfully, the more I thought about it, it's actually more there than not. Because when Jesus came and paid the price, he paid it for our souls. But I think one of the mistakes we as Christians tend to make is we think it was just for our soul. We know up here that he died for everyone. But the fact is, folks, it's more than about us. How many of you have family members that are lost? You know the chances of you leading them to Christ? Slim to none. How much are you counting on some other mature person to come along? Man, I hope. I hope those family members of mine that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, I hope they come across somebody. Somebody who, who was cared for enough that they were, had the gospel proclaimed to them, that they were loved into a church family, that they were discipled and developed. And I hope that they can accurately and clearly proclaim the gospel to my, to my family members. I'll tell you something. You are somebody's someone else. Hear me? You are somebody's somebody else. you have a relationship with Jesus you know what I'll pray with you if you want me to pray with you the truth is just spend this time with God focus yourself center yourself get yourself back into the right rut leave this place excited and energized about your relationship with Jesus ready to learn at his pace not under the pressures of the world or the pressures of anybody around you at his pace with the support structure he's provided just grow in him period and i'm promising you folks it's just another way of me saying he's a pinnacle of the pyramid we think we got to run around and fix everything in life you put jesus where he's supposed to be and everything in life will fix itself thanks again for listening if you have questions about becoming a christian discipleship or if you have prayer requests you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash highland southern bc have a blessed week, and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.